Michael, welcome and thank you for being on the couch at Cannings. It's great to have you here. Tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you end up as a foreign correspondent in China? Yeah, thanks for having me on. Look, I've been following China for more than 20 years. I was a very young, wide-eyed journalist uh, in, in my 20s when I flew from Hobart to, to Hong Kong and uh, I was working as a political reporter there during the 1997 handover. So I've had an interest in China uh, for all of those years. Uh, in early 2018, I was lucky enough to uh, have the opportunity to move to Shanghai as the Australian Financial Review's uh, China correspondent. So uh, uh, I moved there uh, very enthusiastically and, um, you know, I've always enjoyed living and working in Asia. And look, China was just such a big story. And, you know, as a journalist, it, it was the only place to be for me. In September last year, you and Bill Bertels, the ABC's uh, foreign correspondent, were forced to leave China, becoming the last Australian journalists to leave the country. Can you tell us a little bit more about that experience and why you think you were expelled? Yeah, it all started in uh, August last year when uh, DFAT called up my editor and said, your journalist is no longer in safe in China. You've got to get him out of there. So, um, you know, I received a phone call from my bosses relaying this and it was, it was a very surreal moment. I, I happened to be in Beijing. Uh, so, I, you know, I went, went and saw the people at the Australian Embassy and we were told... Uh, very clearly that we were no longer safe in China and, and, and we had to leave. This was very difficult information to digest. I'd never felt unsafe in, uh, in China until that time, even though Australia-China relations were, were deteriorating. Um, so a couple of days later, I, I did pack my bags and, and I bought a ticket uh, b back to Sydney due to depart the next day, went, went off to bed, um, and in the middle of the night, that night, I was woken up by a knock at the door and there were seven uh, Chinese security police on the doorstep of my house. I mean, it was just surreal. I never expected anything like that to happen to me in China. Um, and they, they sort of came into my lounge room, sat me down and sort of read me a statement which said I was a person of interest in a national security investigation and there was an exit ban on me, which, which means I couldn't leave the country. So look, this was absolutely terrifying. Um, I thought for a minute there they were going to take me away that night and, and sort of detain me. Uh, that didn't happen, fortunately, they, they did leave. But, um, um, you know, I, I went into the embassy very early the next morning and, and a decision was made to, to put me under consular protection and, um, and, and I was there sort of for four days Why the Australian government had to try and negotiate this deal uh, to let me leave the country. Right, and when did you first cross paths with Bill Bertels after the Chinese authorities knocked on your door? Yeah, I mean, I've known I've known Bill for for years, and we were at the time we were the only two uh, journalists working for Australian media outlets left in China. Uh, the other there are others, but they had been uh, they couldn't get back into the country because of COVID-related border closures. Uh, so the night the police came, I, ra I rang Bill immediately, and he'd had the exact same experience. Um, they also knocked, knocked on his door in, in Beijing. I think he had a few friends around uh, having a party, so he had a bit of a different experience than me. And look, from that moment, we knew this was very political. It, it, the fact they were targeting both of us, um, we, you know, we knew it wasn't anything to do with a particular story we'd written or anything we were investigating. Uh, it was a very strong signal to, to the Australian government. 
Can you ever see yourself going back? Look, I'd love to go back one day. I mean, I, I really love living in China. Uh, my time there was, was cut short. I didn't get to say goodbye to any of my friends. There was uh, a lot of places I, I still wanted to go. But I think in the short term, that, that's very unlikely. I mean, I think the Australian government's view is that uh, it, it wouldn't be safe for any Australian journalist to, to return to China uh, in, in the medium term. So, look, there, is, there are no plans to go back. Who knows what's going to happen? I, you know, I hope things change and, and I can get back there one day. What motivated you to write this book? Why are you publishing it now? Yeah, look, the book obviously came about because of the, the very dramatic uh, way, way we left. I mean, it was surreal coming back to Australia and being the centre of, of media attention. But for me, it was a, a, an amazing opportunity. I sort of all, always wanted to write a book about China and, and, and the book is so much more uh, than just my experience in, in those last few weeks in China. I mean, it's a very... Uh, complex country. It's it's very difficult to understand, um, and and there's so many different elements to it. So you know, it, it was a great uh, chance to to write about my experiences in China, uh, but also more importantly, the people I met. We often overlook the Chinese people. We don't talk about the Chinese people who have sort of experienced. Uh, huge upheaval in their lives in, in just a couple of short decades. So, you know, I interviewed a lot of Chinese friends uh, as well as better-known Chinese people such, such as Jack Ma, uh, the, the, the country's richest man. So it was a great opportunity to try and tell this story about China at, at this sort of very difficult time uh, when, when relations between Beijing and, and Canberra are really deteriorating. Did you have to go to any lengths to protect your sources and friends that are... Um, mentioned and, and interviewed for the book. Yeah, that look that was a real challenge. I mean, throughout my reporting uh, time in China, protecting your sources was always a uh, you know a fine balancing act. You you know, if people said the wrong thing to you, they they could uh, get into trouble with with the authorities or or even get detained. So as a journalist, you've always got to be mindful of of, of the people that that you are interviewing. And then writing a book was added an additional layer to that. I did interview quite a few friends about their personal stories and and their stories weren't even political but but they were very nervous about about talking to me and you know in in many cases you you have to change uh names and and what have you and and it is very disappointing that um you know in in a country like china where people do have these amazing stories of um you know of their lives becoming uh, a, a lot better in in just a decade or two because of the you know the, the progress the country's made but it, it's just very disappointing that they're too scared to often share these stories just for for fear of retribution this is the first time since the 1970s that australia hasn't had correspondence in china as a journalist, how do you effectively cover China from the outside of the country and what are the challenges in doing that? Yeah, it's, it's a real tragedy not to have any journalists on the ground in, in China, I think. I mean, China's a really complex country and, and when you're there reporting, you, you pick up all the nuances, you, you get to write about things you just can't do from outside, just travelling around the country, talking, talking to ordinary people on the, on the streets... Uh, that kind of thing. So now, what we have, we have a situation where all the reporting on China is being done from from outside China. There's a lot of reporters uh, in in Sydney at the moment trying to cover China, and and um, you know it, it's just never going to be as effective. Um, and I think it does China a disservice as well. You're seeing a lot of negative reporting. 
uh, on China at the moment, which which is inevitable when when you're coming at it from from a different slant, when you're coming at it from Australia, where where public opinion has become quite anti-China. You haven't stopped reporting on China since you've been back in Sydney. Will you continue to cover China? Will you go back to Asia? What are the next stages for you personally? Yeah, we're planning to uh, continue our coverage of China and the region from from Japan. Actually, we, uh, we we're looking to reopen uh, a bureau in Tokyo, uh, where we'll cover North Asia, uh, Japan, Korea, China, Taiwan. Um, so that's obviously not as good as being in China, but but it's a lot closer. Uh, Japan's got a really unique perspective on on China. They've been dealing with China. Uh, for, for decades and look when the borders reopen hopefully there'll be opportunities to to travel to places like Taiwan uh, where you can sort of continue telling the China story from there. Just moving more broadly to the vexed question of the Australian-China relationship I know this is crystal ball stuff but in your view what are the chances of things improving or deteriorating? Where do you think that relationship is heading? Yeah, look, it's hard to make predictions, but th- things really aren't looking very good. I mean, if you asked me in January, I would have said, look, things seem to be calming down. We haven't had any additional trade sanctions put on our exports for, for a couple of months. Maybe this will all blow over. But but what we've seen in the last couple of months is an acceleration of, of tensions. We, we saw uh, Australia scrapping Victoria's Belt and Road deal, which, which made Beijing very angry. It, we're, we're now reviewing... Uh, the lease by a Chinese company on on the port of Darwin. Uh, So that's going to further antagonise relations. The rhetoric coming out of Beijing continues to be uh, very hostile towards uh, Australia. So I think we're going to see things deteriorate uh, but before we get better. I don't know what the circuit breaker is. I just don't know how we can come back from this. Yang Heng Jun goes to trial today. What hope can we have for Yang Hengjun and other Australian journalists like Cheng Li held in China on obscure charges? Yeah, I think, look, there's very little hope for these two individuals. Very sadly, uh, the conviction rate in Chinese courts, particularly for sort of national security charges, is 99%. So you're... Um, it, it, it's it, you're basically you know you're basically guilty before you, you your trial even starts. So uh, it's going to be very difficult for them. The the question will be how long will their uh, prison sentences be, which can range from anything from from three years to life. So these seem to be very sort of very politically uh, motivated charges. There's also two two Canadians uh, who have also been on on trial in Canada. So. Uh, yeah, I, I don't see the prospect of them being re- released sort of happening anytime soon. Michael Smith, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Your book, The Last Correspondent, Dispatches from the Frontline of Xi's New China, is available now online and in all good bookstores. We wish you well and thank you for being on the couch. Yeah, thanks for having me on.